following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are Ron and Ron Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1995's Batman Forever, directed by Joel Schumacher, starring Val Kilmer, Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey, Nicole Kidman, and Chris O'Donnell. Batman Forever is a 1995 superhero film based Based on the DC Comics character Batman. The film is the third installment in the Burton Schumacher Batman film series with Val Kilmer replacing Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne Batman. This film currently holds a 43% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? District Attorney Harvey Dent is hideously scarred down one side by an acid attack. (laughs) (laughs) The result is two personalities and two faces. Ideal qualifications for a politician, you might think. But two faces only policy is vengeance on Batman. He teams up with Edward Nigma. <laughs> he teams up with Edward Nigma, a technical wizard who invents a brain-sucking TV and adopts the alter ego of the Riddler. Meanwhile, in the circus, Dick Grayson witnesses his acrobatic family plummet earthwards and gets a taste for sawdust. Two faces to blame, but Dick trades his anger for a rubber suit and becomes Robin. Two bad guys, two good guys, and eight personas. Okay, Batman Forever, what is your history with this? I saw it when it came out, and I had the cups. Oh, yeah. We are going to get into that real quick. Kevin? I saw this in theaters when it came out. I even owned it on VHS. Ooh, yeah. I know this for a fact because I recently was holding this VHS in my hand. I went back to the house I grew up in, my family's house. I was going through all my old stuff, cleaning up about two, three weeks ago. Fight the future, Kevin. I was fighting the future. Super inside joke. (laughs) (laughs) That only you and me will get. <laughs> so I'm cleaning out my old closet, and I find this box of VHS tapes. Batman Forever's in there. I was like, ah, oh, this is pretty funny. So I brought it back to my apartment to show Joel. We got some laughs over this. <laughs> then I probably threw it away. <laughs> what a fool you've been. Yeah, well, it was foolish because Netflix didn't get the movie to me on time, and I was craving for that VHS tape back. So I could have <laughs> just watched it on a VCR. You have a VCR in your apartment? I do. No way. That's really? Facts. I was shocked too. I threw mine out eons ago. I threw mine out and it just exploded on the street. <laughs> I, I don't I don't use it. It's merely a way to plug my GameCube and Dreamcast into a television. As for me, I saw it in the theater as well. Of course, we all did. We all contributed to this movie's meteoric rise into superstardom. We were all to blame. You more so than anyone else, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Kevin, Kevin. <laughs> I'll, I'll people, put this right on my shoulders. People will pay. Some, Some more than, than others. others. <laughs> and I'm looking at you, Kevin. I'm paying. <laughs> I'm paying today. <laughs> yeah, so my family, we had the cups. So it was either Burger King or McDonald's or whoever. They, at the time, sold these collector cups, these glasses. Well, they were mugs. Yeah, they were mugs. Straight. Yeah, they were mugs. Not only were they these mugs. These were handled they, cups. Yeah. Not, not only were they mugs, they had multiple layers of hard, practically adamantium strength plastics. They were amazing. They were really cool. They were glass. They were, it was a glass cup, and it was one for each character. Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the Riddler cup, the hand 
Kendall was the, the question mark king. Oh, yeah. For Two-Face, was a bunch of coins. Mm-hmm. And like Batman. I didn't like that one. Yeah. That one bothered my hand when you held that <laughs> one. The coin was just like a weird shape to it. And Batman had like the stalactite, stalagmite kind yeah, of cave yep. thing. And Robin had whatever. And that got a lot of use in my household. I don't know about you, but through the years, they eventually just broke, went after the other. And I think we have one left, maybe one left in my parents' house. I think they might still be at my, my family's house. You got to get those. That's, I really that's think worth, it might be there. Think of your children. They're going to want to drink out of these cups. <laughs> out of Jim Carrey's head. It's really something to pass down from generation to generation, I think, right? Yeah. On the 30th anniversary of Batman Forever, <laughs> you can drink out of the cups. Okay, so, by the way, welcome back to Yeah, It's That Bad World Headquarters. The temperature is a steamy 88 degrees Fahrenheit. And it's slowly rising. Oh, oh 89. 89. <laughs> so once again. What measures humidity? Is that a barometer? Yeah, I, th- I, I think a barometer measures pressure. Yeah, we should get one of those too. Whatever, whatever measures humidity, we need one of those. Because it's the humidity levels are just off the chart. There is water condensing on my back right now. It's not sweat, it's condensing. <laughs> Kevin is sweating like a pig. I am. You've only been here for like five minutes. We've been here for five minutes yet, me and Kevin. Shirtless. Shirtless, Shirtless. indeed. Yeah, okay. I hope that isn't Shirts for skins, and once again, Joel's on the losing team. (laughs) (laughs) I just hope that he doesn't impede your movie reviewing skills. I think it's only going to make it better. We'll we'll see. That's yet to be seen. I do my best work. Still, though, here at Yeah, It's That Bad World Headquarters, boys in maintenance. (laughs) Yeah, once again. Yeah, once again, you know, they had better (laughs) issues to deal with, I guess. (laughs) They had to unclog the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) That's priority number one. (laughs) Well, if we didn't spend the other 22 hours of the day clogging the toilets at the Yes at Bad World headquarters, we just purposely go around dumping things in the toilets to clog them. Yeah, that's where I put my bounty hunter notes, just stuff in the toilet. (laughs) Clogged it. Okay, so let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. First up, let me say that this movie contains the triumphant return of many, many of Yes That Bad favorite sons and daughters. <laughs> okay, first up, Michael Keaton's replacement, Val Kilmer. Eagle-eyed fans may remember him as Nicolas Cage's buddy cop in Bad Lieutenant. Back for more. A young Val Kilmer. Top Gun, too. Oh! Yeah. Ooh. Iceman. I'll put it this way. He, uh... <laughs> He brought his icy demeanor back to this movie. <laughs> I did. All right, that, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> you ruined it. You had to ring your own bell. <laughs> I'm sorry that I couldn't help it. There's a bell oh, on the table, and it's 90 and it's degrees. 90 degrees. We need the bell right now. We have now. no bell for the temperature check. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Back for more. Use your discretion with this. <laughs> By the way, Yes That Bed World Headquarters, due to generous donation, <laughs> we, we bought a bell, so... <laughs> For no reason. <laughs> There's a bell on the table. So how did he do as Batman? Horribly. <laughs> was he better than Keaton? Yes and no. In- <laughs> Keaton was had a better Batman voice, but I don't think physically he was a better Batman. As far as actually acting, I think they're on par with each other. I mean, this is no Bale. It's no Christian Bale, Batman. Or Clooney. No, oh, he's no Clooney. He is no Clooney. That's for damn sure. Here, I'll say this much. For a movie that's so comedic and comical, he's really deadpan. Yeah, he, he's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to play this part, you got to play two parts, right? Yeah, yeah it's you two You got to play people. Bruce Wayne and you got to play Batman. Which is funny because they hammer that home in this movie. No one told Val 
Val Kilmer <laughs> because he didn't have a Batman voice. It was his normal voice. He he, he was the same person. That's true. He, he, yeah, you're right. He did that. How was he as Batman? I don't know. How was he as Bruce Wayne? I don't know. Because he's just <laughs> playing. <laughs> he was playing Val Kilmer. Yeah. I'm going to say Keaton's the better Batman. Hmm. Better Batman voice. I think we have bigger bicep muscles than Kilmer did in this movie. There's that part where he had his shirt off. He had no muscle definition. To be fair, we have pretty big biceps. Yeah, that's true. We do, a lot of, we do a lot of beefy P90X. Beefing up, bicep bulging. Beefery. Beefery. I mean, Kilmer could hit the gym a little bit, right? It wouldn't have killed him. Who would have won in a push-up contest? Kilmer or Pierce Brosnan? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good one. I'm going to give it to Brosnan. <laughs> Kilmer is smaller, so he, he it's, doesn't have as much weight to lift, but he definitely is you not. You think Kilmer's smaller? Val Kilmer is very short. <laughs> He's short, man. He's like 5'1". If only I could have measured him. <laughs> Measure that beef. As for me, I actually did some homework before I watched this movie. Did a little research. I watched The Dark Knight, like the other night, in preparation for this movie. Not in preparation of Christian Bale's returning <laughs> next week or whatever. I watched it just for this because I feel they're, they're linked. They're almost the same movie, right, Kevin? Absolutely. They're two sides of the same coin. Great job. Pun intended. No! <laughs> What you daring that bell? <laughs> he does not deserve that. By the way, it is currently 91 degrees. Okay. No, what the hell? That was my bell. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so Val Kilmer, he had a better Batman voice than Christian Bale did. He didn't have a Batman voice. Yeah. He just spoke in his normal voice. But I, his I, normal voice I, is I a better Batman Yeah, voice. I really hate Christian Bale's Batman voice. Next up, Tommy Lee Jones. All right. <laughs> Phenomenal. He was really, really good. He was over the top, but Joel Schumacher probably sat Tommy Lee Jones down on his lap and said, It's a cartoon. It's a cartoon, Tommy. Act crazy. I thought, like, Tommy Lee Jones, this is his performance the entire movie. <laughs> I thought he did this entire movie just like, laughed to himself. Yeah, I don't share Martin's affection for Tommy Lee Jones' performance. Here. I thought. I thought he was, about how he looked. I thought he was just, uh, atrocious. I thought he. Lo- I, 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 I thought he acted like the Joker. Like, this well, that's, that's the problem with both of these. Both of these. Clowns. They both wanted to be the Joker. <laughs> Whoa, come on. Yeah. All right. All right. You deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> they both wanted to be the Joker. Yeah. Absolutely. They were atrocious. <laughs> No, no, he he was bad. I didn't like Two Face in this. No, I, I didn't, didn't care for it. He looked terrible. God, that costume. A, a, a comic book design can look good in a comic book, and then when you see it in real life, it's just like, why do this? This looks so stupid. Why is his face purple? Yeah, why is it purple? Why is his suit all purple and like a pimp? I know, I know, this movie's going for like over the top. The reason they design it like that in a comic is because you can't take time out of every panel for photorealism. Okay, so you can signify that someone's face is scarred with the color purple. Mm-hmm. I I get it. It's not going to transfer to a movie with real people. No, it doesn't. It's just they're going for like Dick Tracy. I know. They, they, oh. He looked like yeah, Face. for sure. I mean, that was heavy handed, right? Right yeah. down to the uh, the watch. Oh, yeah. Yep. Thumbs down, eh? Yeah. He, two thumbs down? Yeah. Thumbs down all around. Next up, Triumph and Return of Yes That Bad, Walther himself, <laughs> Jim Carrey. I didn't think I'd see him again so soon. He wasn't the Riddler. We can agree to this, right? He was a joke. He was playing Jim Carrey. Yeah, I agree. That I agree with. For he was sure. Jim Carrey the whole time. He was never the Riddler. Yep. At no point did I consider him the Riddler. You know, I once heard this somewhere that it said, like, the Riddler is one of the hardest characters to write for the comics because you're essentially having to write a character who's a genius. Yeah. They, they succeed in this movie. <laughs> they didn't even try. 
Why? They didn't even bother trying to make him a genius, did they? He had riddles, right? They were the most simplistic riddles. An eight-year-old boy would figure out those riddles. <laughs> did they write for a genius? No. He was so over the top. Beyond but, over the top, right? But th- that's who Jim Carrey was at that time, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, was, yeah. In Living Color. He wasn't doing he, anything but that at the time. He was, he was playing... This is Ace Ventura time. So I'm not going to blame him. He was playing The Mask. He was playing Ace Ventura. Yeah, I mean, they got him to do this shtick. That's, that's why he's in here. That's what he was known for. To get families to come see it, right? He got him. It'd be really interesting to see now that he's grown as an actor and kind of shown his chops, like what Nolan... What he would look like in spandex. What Nolan would have done with him if Nolan had the Riddler in his movies. Oh, and had Jim Carrey as yeah. the Riddler? He, I mean, I think I think he could still pull it off. He would be so brooding and dark. Yeah, he probably wouldn't talk much. Fine. He'd see the number 23 everywhere. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm down. I'm in. Did you call Christopher Nolan? You're friends with him, well, right? Well, he wouldn't. He didn't want to do the Riddler again. He would write all his messages, sign he, top he, secrets. Yeah, you can convince him to do number four. He thought, uh, yeah, sure. He, I think I read somewhere that he's, he thought the Riddler's too close to the Joker. That's why he wouldn't do him in the third movie. He's right. I agree with him. He's right. I think you can play them. It's totally different. That's why in the next movie, clocking. Oh, that's man. yeah. If that's if, if we need if we need <laughs> if we need two villains, we need Man Bat and Clock King together. <laughs> same movie. The same movie. I thought Man Bat was in this movie during the flashback where the kid falls in the cave. Yeah, that bat was like twenty five feet tall. Okay, next up, the lovely and talented Nicole Kidman. Is this our first encounter with her? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. How do you think she did? <sighs> I thought she was terrible in this movie. Just wildly terrible. Dr. Chase Meridian. First of what the hell name is that? I think she played this character okay. I don't, th- I don't think she was... Vale. <laughs> Know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> I think she played this the doe-eyed admirer fairly well. I mean, she wanted to get in Batman's spandex pants. She's rubber playing, pants. She's playing a doe-eyed dumbass in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was bad. She really was. She was terrible. Ah, she's terrible on this. She was campy, but she was shoemockering it up. She really was. I can't get well behind. Played. I can't get behind that, but I can get behind her. <laughs> Boo! No, that does not deserve a bell ring. No. <laughs> nope. Okay, so that's pretty much it. Uh, are we... No. Who am I missing? Oh, Chris Robin? O'Donnell. Robin. Oh, oops. <laughs> 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 At the triumphant return of Chris O'Donnell, last time we saw him, he got a bullet in the butt in Max Payne. <laughs> you remember that? Okay, I, I couldn't forget it. <laughs> so, He's willing to take one between the cheeks. So, Max, so Chris O'Donnell, what'd you think? I liked him. Yeah. Truth I mean, be told, I liked him. He's likable. Yep. I didn't like the earring. What was he going for, the pirate look? <laughs> that was a huge earring. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta keep in mind this is 1995. You know, in the backstory stuff, I actually came across that earring caused a little bit of a hubbub back in 95. Okay. <gasps> the nipples on the bat suit and that earring, people were not happy about it. Even Bob Kane himself bristled. Mm. What does a Bob Kane bristle sound like? Yeah, I mean, he's he seemed like he was having fun, right? Yeah. I'm gonna say that he was second best under Jim Carrey. I enjoyed him the best under Carrey. I have this <laughs> <laughs> little quandary with Chris O'Donnell, and uh, he looks like he's a 45-year-old man. Uh, Absolutely. Oh my god! I take that note. I take that note. I'm like, hold on. He looks like he's in his late 30s, and Bruce Wayne's gonna adopt him as his ward. I, I, I just, I, I don't get it. Who is he a ward of? Is he a the bum? state? Does a st- 
date get a 35-year-old man? He even makes reference. He's like, thanks for letting me stay here. Now I don't have to deal with social services. What does as that if, mean? As if a 35-year-old man would need to go to social services because his parents died. Yeah. It's a homeless bum, right? <laughs> okay, so, so we can agree that it was a bit of a mistake casting a 76-year-old man <laughs> for the role of, what, a 14-year-old or something? Eight-year-old. Yeah, it's, yeah, flying grace. We're in heady times right now, though, with Sandusky. It- would you stop? <laughs> With this? Yeah! <laughs> All right! I only did that because I know it's going to get cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, inside to Yes at Bad World Headquarters, Martin brings this up every day, <laughs> 10 times a day. <laughs> Just can't get enough. All right, so how do you do, O'Donnell? I enjoyed him. He was, yeah, he was he, all right. He was a very likable character in this movie, and his acting was not bad. Compared to Batman and Robin, he was pretty good. He was. And uh, the guy that played Alfred, he was pretty good. Yeah, he was all right. Okay, so that's pretty much it. Let's get on to the history of Batman Forever. Now, this history is quite lengthy, but it's pretty interesting. There's some insights. I can't wait. Even though Batman Returns was a financial success, Warner Brothers felt the film should have made more money and decided to make the film series more mainstream. Tim Burton, who had directed the two previous installments, was asked to restrict himself to the role of producer and approved of Joel Schumacher as director. Schumacher claims he originally had in mind an adaptation of Frank Miller's Batman Year One. The studio rejected the idea as they wanted a sequel, not a prequel, though Schumacher was able to include very brief events in Batman's past. Schumacher hired Lee and Janet Scott Batchelor to write the script, which introduced a psychotic Riddler with a pet rat to accompany him. The story elements and much of the dialogue still remained in the finished film, though Schumacher felt it could have been lightened down. He hired a key Goldsman, which is a guy that we're very familiar in this podcast. His touch has been on a lot of our movies, whom he previously had worked on the client to write the second draft. Production went on fast track with Rene Russo cast as Dr. Chase Meridian. Michael Keaton decided not to reprise Batman because he did not like the new direction the film series was heading in. Keaton also wanted to pursue more interesting roles, turning down $15 million to appear in Batman Forever. Wow. Wow. That's... Man, you can. I'm sure he wishes he That's didn't sick, do that. And being able to turn down fifteen million dollars. Val Kilmer was cast days later, and the filmmakers decided that Russo was too old for Kilmer, replacing her with a different actress. Schumacher got interested in Kilmer for Batman after seeing him in Tombstone, and the actor accepted the role without even reading the script or knowing who the new director was. <laughs> But he knew how big that check was going to be. <laughs> Before Val Kilmer was cast, Daniel Day-Lewis, Ray Fiennes, <laughs> William Baldwin, and Johnny Depp were all under consideration to replace Michael Keaton. Could you imagine? <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> as Batman? This movie would have taken five years to film. He would have had to live in a cave for two years. <laughs> he would have spent a year actually fighting crime. <laughs> Robin Wright and, oh, Kevin, someone who's near and dear to our heart. Robin Wright, Linda Hamilton, and Gene Triple Horde. For those who don't know, Gene Triplehorn was the star in Waterworld, one of our most infamous films. They're all in competition with Dr. Chase Meridian, with Wright appearing as the favorable choice. Nicole Kidman was eventually cast. Even though Billy Dee Williams took the role of Harvey Dent in Batman because he was looking forward to portraying Two-Face in a sequel, Schumacher cast Tommy Lee Jones in the role. Jones was always Schumacher's first choice for the role after working with him on the client. Jones claims he was sent the script and was very cautious to accept, but accepted the part because Two Face was his son's favorite character. While Robin Williams expressed interest in the role of the Riddler, Jim Carrey was eventually cast. Robin
Robin appeared in the shooting script of Batman Returns, but was deleted due to too many characters. Marlon Wayans was cast in the role and signed for Batman Forever. He was decided to replace Wayans with a different actor. Leonardo DiCaprio and Chris O'Donnell became the two top choices, with O'Donnell winning the part. Mitchell had Leo? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> wow, that guy's career would have gone in a completely different direction. Daniel right? Day-Lewis and Leonardo DiCaprio. So oh my what, gosh. They're, they're like, nah, I'm going to work on Gangs of New York instead or something. The beach. Yeah, we're going to go work on the beach. Schumacher had problems filming with Kilmer, whom he described as childish and impossible, reporting that he fought with various crewmen. How could Schumacher say that about somebody? Kilmer refused to speak to Schumacher during two weeks after the director told him to stop behaving in a rude way. <laughs> Schu- <laughs> Schumacher also mentioned Tommy Lee Jones as a source of trouble. Jim Carrey was a gentleman, and Tommy Lee Jones was threatened by him. I'm tired of defending overpaid, overprivileged actors. I pray I don't work with them again. Batman Forever was declared a huge financial success. The film earned more money than its predecessor, Batman Returns, and was the second highest behind Toy Story grossing film of 1995 in America, making how much worldwide? 400, 500 mil. I'll say 600 million. 336 million dollars. There you go. Martin did it again. Slam dunk. At the 68th Academy Awards, Batman Forever was nominated for cinematography, but it lost to Braveheart. For sound, but it lost to Apollo 13. And sound editing, also lost to Braveheart. Hold Me, Throw Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me by U2 was nominated for the Golden Globe Award for Best Original Song. Lost to Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. But it was also nominated for Worst Original Song at the Raspberry Awards, which it lost to Walk Into the Wind from Showgirls. Whoa. (laughs) That That was a good song. Whoa. At the Saturn Awards, the film was nominated for Best Fantasy Film, but lost to Babe. Makeup, lost to Seven. Special Effects, lost to Jumanji. And Costume Design, lost to 12 Monkeys. This movie had no chance <laughs> this year. It was just impossible. This is a very heavy year for movies. That's a good year. It's a great year. Composer Elliot Goldenthal was given a Grammy Award nomination. Batman Forever received six nominations at the 1996 MTV Movie Awards, four of which were divided between two categories. Carrie and Lee Jones for Best Villain, and Seals Kiss from a Rose and U2's Hold Me in Best Song from a Movie. However, it won in just one category. Best Song for a Movie for Seals Kiss from a Rose. Okay, so Batman Forever! So the first actual movie shots we see here are Batman suiting up. Schumacher trademark. Yep. I have a huge issue with this scene. (laughs) What? What? It just started! (laughs) It's it's literally the first scene to the movie. Val Kilmer is shown with this intense dramatic lighting and I think I'm going to get an actual Batman movie, and then it just cuts comically to Alfred, who asks him if he wants to bring a sandwich with him, like he's going to school, like the school bus is about to pick him up, and he responds, I'll get drive through." I was shocked, absolutely shocked, given the history of these movies, that Batman didn't drive up to a McDonald's and like, <laughs> get a big, get a get big a, Mac. Yeah, yeah, get a Big Mac from McDonald's. <laughs> what did you think of this Batmobile? It's highly stylized, right? I hate it! I hate it! I hate it so much! And, by the way, I've had a close encounter with this Batmobile. Yeah, you saw right on the street, right? I saw this in person. So I used to work on Wall Street, <laughs> Darwinian <laughs> capitalism at its finest. But one day I would go outside after work and they're filming a movie. Someone's filming a movie here. I'm like, oh, cool. Oh, I thought one of the 1% just decided to go for a ride in the Batmobile because <laughs> well, they have that kind of money. That's what they were depicting actually in the movie. So I, I walk down the street and it's all cordoned off. And what should I see right before my very eyes? But the Batmobile from this movie, this big, stupid looking thing. It looks like it's like bio digital jazz. <laughs> 
crap. You know what I mean? Like, how do you describe the way this thing looks? Uh, inefficient. Extremely, with that giant tail fin. and Yeah, it, it's really long and narrow, but then in the back, it, it has these giant tails. It's, it looks it looks like the 1975 cumbersome. Stingray. Slow and cumbersome. The Corvette. It has those kind of lines, but it has these weird cutouts yeah, in the, it with the striations. Neon stri- it's like, really bizarre. Yeah, which are exactly what you don't need for aerodynamic Batmobile. There you go. Right? I mean... But for those who are curious, the movie that they were filming in front of my office was Arthur, starring Russell Brand. All right, so Batman's, he heads out because Two-Face sees wreaking havoc at the uh, Second National Bank of Gotham. Which, by the way, if you're a bank, why do you call yourself the Second Bank of Gotham? Okay, so then then we cut to the street, which is full of people. Flooded with humans. It looks like there's a riot about to break out. And Batman literally descends from heaven. Yeah. This is the weirdest intro I've ever seen because he's swinging on a rope that's connected to nothing. It's like the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Exactly. What's he swinging on? He comes out. (laughs) It's at this part in the movie that I'm asking myself, what is happening right now? This scene for me, for my Batman experience, is akin to remembering an emotionally damaging event from my childhood that my parents exposed me to, but I was too young to know that it was bad. But now as an older person, I know that it really messed me up. This destroyed my idea of Batman. Repressed memories here, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's like he shows up to check in with the crowd below before he's going to go, Hey, guys, Two-Face. What is that? (laughs) Uh, Batman, hey, Batman! Yeah, he's got some autographs, checking in with the fans. No, he showed up to talk to Nicole Kidman. He thought she was hot. He was swinging in. Actually, I think he's to, he stopped to talk to the buffoon that is Commissioner <laughs> Gordon in this movie. He looks like Cornelius Fudge from Harry Potter. Not a joke. Not my Commissioner Gordon. No, not, not ours. After we watched that that Batman movie, Batman Year One. Remember that? Movie? That was oh, awesome. My gosh. If you like Batman, you should check that out. It's pretty damn good. Commissioner Gordon's amazing in that. So Batman strikes up a conversation with Nicole Kidman's character. Their interactions are pretty ridiculous. All of them, right? From beginning to end. Yeah, absolutely. So Her zero sucks. Zero chemistry. Uh, I, I used to say, cut your Heigl level. We have, a, we have a new benchmark. Uh-oh. Butler Anderson level? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> There it is. So we let me ask you a question real quick. Yeah. Did you laugh during the bounty hunter? Not once. Did you laugh during this movie? Yeah. I, I laughed. I laughed Therefore, a lot during this. This is movie. automatically a better movie. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind. Right? It has to be. Because of the bounty hunter, I am super lenient on this. <laughs> this was amazing. I had a ball watching it compared. I wonder if that's why I like Spider-Man so much. Because I rolled from bounty hunter to Spider-Man. <laughs> that's probably what happened. <laughs> How do you feel about Two Faces insignia in this movie? His logo. Did you, did you notice it? Can he use a little more work? <laughs> Wait, just the face thing? It's like, no, it's like a bloody yin yang. Oh, oh yeah. Well, it's, it's, very, only, it's only like the first two minutes. And it's on it. the helicopter. Someone took the time to paint it on there. Yeah. And it was on his parachute. <laughs> yeah, his parachute in his helicopter. He's Asian. He's Korean. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Two Faces is really a Buddhist. <laughs> He's <a> Zen ideals. <laughs> I thought he was a Tao. Dao- He's a Taoist <laughs> Dallas monk. Dallas monk. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Two-Face decides to get the safe out of there. And I guess he communicates to someone that has a giant wrecking ball. And it just blows through the building. It looks like it's supposed to kill him. Yeah, right where he's standing. (laughs) It looks like it's going with the force of a thousand suns. (laughs) It's going fast in the speed of light, right? That's what it looks like when it hits. And then when it smashes through the wall, it it just stops. stops. It's like it hits an invisible barrier (laughs) and it stops right behind Two-Face. And it hit like a window. It wasn't like it hit a wall. Yeah. It would have went right through a window. It should have killed him. Absolutely. So then somehow there's a helicopter waiting outside, and 
and he attaches the safe to it, and they fly away. Batman is trapped inside the safe. Okay, this is this is a scene that made me laugh out loud because <laughs> Batman's in the safe with this another buffoon, this uh, yeah. an obnoxious. This guy was Rick Moranic esque. Yes, he was so annoying. He had this quote that made me laugh out loud. <laughs> it was so bad. I think it's the one I got written down too. All right, so they're in the safe, and as far as I'm concerned, Two Face could have just like dropped the safe, and that would have killed everybody inside. Uh-huh. But instead, his plan is to shoot acid from within the safe and kill Batman, which would imply that he earlier snuck into the safe and rigged <laughs> yep. this complicated acid system <laughs> yep. into the safe. Yep. While you were there the first time, why don't you just take the money? <laughs> but I digress. So acid starts pouring in because this is supposed to be poetic justice because acid is what burned Two-Face in the first place. Okay, so acid starts shooting in. It looks just like water, but yeah. this buffoon of a night watchman looks at it and he goes oh no boiling acid (laughs) (laughs) I wrote down that same quote I put lol after it because I was laughing out loud oh no Yeah, and then eventually he follows that up by saying, My shoes are melting. I hated this guy. I would have damaged just dunk his head in the ass and <laughs> wanted him to die. <laughs> Absolutely. At this point, I thought that Two-Face was going to get away scot-free, another day of wine and roses for him. <laughs> well, for him, it's more like beer, beer and pizza. pizza. <laughs> well, actually, for him, it's both. Oh, whoa, how insightful. Kevin. Man. Kevin, how insightful. How meta. <laughs> so Batman uses this man's hearing aid device to crack the safe from inside. I've never seen that done before, and I didn't know that there was dials on the inside of a safe to let you out. Hey, it's Batman. It's Batman. Yeah, if anybody's gonna give do the it, the benefit it, it, of the doubt. Can we agree that Batman is like 10,000 MacGyvers in one? Yes. 10 million. Yes. Yeah, right? Absolutely. So if, he, if anyone's gonna do it, it's... Exactly. <laughs> I have no problem with the hearing aid safe cracking from within the safe. What I do have a problem with is when he lifts this million pound door that's on the safe. <laughs> he pushes it up like he's like a ninja turtle coming out from underneath the sewer plate. (laughs) It shows how thick the door is. It's like seven feet of solid steel. (laughs) It's thicker than the earth's crust. (laughs) He burst right there. (laughs) Did anybody else have a problem with him rigging up this system of tensile steel and shooting it through what looks like drywall? (laughs) And somehow that levies the safe back in at the perfect angle. Okay, 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 okay. So Batman... (laughs) So this safe is dangling from a thread. Literally. Yeah, like, it's literally. It's on a thread. The helicopter. Like that scene in Swordfish with the bus. Like, oh, my gosh. He's dangling the safe from a helicopter. All right. So Batman shoots his grappling hook into what looks like a sheet of paper. <laughs> it really, it's like a sheet of, it, it blows through a wall, but really like a piece of drywall in your apartment. Yeah, here. a millimeter, yeah. one millimeter thick. It, it busts through and it latches on. Batman uses his blowtorch and cuts the cord. And then he tells the security guard to hey, hold on tight. Hang on, bro. He cuts the cord and what looks like a $10 trillion 
million ton safe plummets to earth, but instead of snapping or perhaps blowing the wall out, what is it? What happens? It perfectly gingerly gingerly slides it back into the original place that it was taken from in the bank at this weird parabolic angle. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how that's so even the same footage. It just reversed. No, no. It. You you can absolutely tell that it's just done in reverse and at a different speed. <laughs> so also, stupid. wasn't the security guard on top of the safe? Yes. I watched this three times. I watched it three times. I'm like, wait a minute. What, what what's going on here? What's happening here? The safe slides in, and he's he's on the top again. So he, that would imply he was on the side of the safe. Yeah. When it was cut. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> Kevin's throwing in the towel. <laughs> it's at this point that you're shown the inside of the helicopter. Then it cuts to Batman on the side of the helicopter, punching through the window and then knocking glass out with his hood. Why can't he steer the helicopter away from it, Joel? He, you- <laughs> what did Two-Face do? He put the club on it. The club on the steering wheel of he a did. helicopter. I have that exact note. Okay, someone might steal it. Gotham's a rough city. <laughs> what, what helicopter has a steering wheel like a Puts car? Puts a club for the helicopter's <laughs> steering wheel? Question. It's, it's not even the yoke. Of like, 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 helicopters are extraordinarily complicated pieces of machinery. No, they're not, Martin. They're driven with a steering wheel, a gas pedal, and a brake. <laughs> to me, it looked like it was a rapid series of cuts that, to my eye, looked like Batman had absolutely no time to escape. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he was in it. We see it crash. And then all of a sudden... All of a sudden, there's a shot of him entering the water. Yeah, they, they show him, like, floating underwater. And then, in voiceover, he says, There's an army of bodies down here. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I belong among them. I hope people got that. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> you weren't there. You weren't there for that one. It was Max Payne. We are like 10 minutes into this movie and we've talked for like an hour. So after all this stuff, we get a shot of Wayne Enterprises. Which, by the way... <sighs> We have a rich history on this show of bad CG backgrounds. Uh, this looked and like it this was... this was one of the best that I've ever seen. <laughs> as far as best of the worst. Whoo! This, this gives reminded... that giant robot from iRobot a run for its money. This it gives that crap city from Bound Helsing a run for its money. I'm going to say this much. It reminded me of, Wh- of a CG cartoon show from this period called Reboot. <laughs> 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 it looked just like that. Yeah, it was so over the top, the way Wayne Enterprises looks like a million enormous statues of guys holding up orbs like Atlas, water shooting everywhere. And then we zoom into this warehouse where people are doing top secret experiments. Well, it's Wayne Enterprises Electronics Division. Yeah, we meet our good friend Jim Carrey. And he is designing a specific type of technology that allows an individual to experience television in every aspect that you possibly could. Sensory. All five senses are evoked. So yeah, it's like this helmet you put on your head and you see 3D TV, like a hologram before your very eyes. You feel it too, though. You yeah, can... and it, it numbs you, like it sedates you. It, if such a thing existed, that'd be a smash hit, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People would be so addicted to that. And then people would hook it up to the internet and you'd have like all these weird porno and 3G. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> this is called Second Life. That's the future. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the design of this thing? It looks ridiculous, didn't it? It's a, I hate it. It's a blender. It's a blender. It's a blender. It's so stupid. Can, can we just call a spade a spade and say it's a blender? Why couldn't it just be a helmet? 
helmet. I don't know. I don't know. It's, sh- it's, just, it's just a Schumacher touch. So Val Kilmer shows up, and apparently Jim Carrey is Val Kilmer's biggest fan, just like in real life. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, Mr. Wayne, Mr. Wayne, come see my mansion. Check it out. And Bruce Wayne just puts the kibosh on that, smashes it right yep. there and there. He's like, nope, you're done. Defunded, you're out. This is crap. Later, bro. It's really weird that Bruce Wayne knows all of the base science around all these technologies that his company is involved in. Yeah, that's not suspicious at all. Right? Yeah, I'm sure it's possible for someone to know all of that. Well, anyway, so Jim Carrey goes nuts. He loses his mind, loses his cool. Later that night, Ed Bailey Jr. or whatever that, that guy yeah. was. Yeah, right? He's like one of the bosses. He's there after dark. Yeah, and I love this stuff because Jim Carrey tries his machine for the first time. It works. And we see all those 3D hologram images. What I like about this scene is that Jim Carrey kills Ed Bailey Jr. He has him tied up to a chair and he throws him out a window. Like he, like he pushes him down the main hallway of the office and he flies out of the window. But he must be 3,000 feet away from the window. Three billion feet. <laughs> I laughed out loud when, when I saw the distance between the It didn't. I didn't even notice this, to be honest with you. So we get to see the origin story of how Two-Face became Two-Face, and I laughed out loud at this scene. So they, it's just a throwaway scene where we get to see a, a news footage from like a thousand years ago. <laughs> On GNN. GNN, Gotham News Network, I assume, where Tommy Lee Jones is a lawyer. He's in court. There's a big shot mobster there, and the mobster just happens to have a cup of acid. <laughs> I don't know how he got it, but he yep. had some acid on his. He tosses it right in <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones' stupid face. He puts like a piece of paper, like, oh, that's going to protect him. And what I love about this is that Batman was there all along. He jumps out of the audience like, no. <laughs> what the hell is he doing there? In the middle of day, in broad daylight, like, is he a witness? <laughs> a key witness in this court case? I don't know much about law. Maybe there's a lawyer out there somewhere. Can you call a masked mystery man up to the bench? <laughs> <laughs> it was like a glass of pink acid. Yeah. Where did he have that? It wasn't like in a jar with a lid. It looked like it was in his cup of coffee. Stupid. I thought the whole point of Batman is that he works outside the law. And now he's <laughs> <laughs> he's an integral part of the court system. Yeah, he's like a bailiff or a stenographer or something. <laughs> no, he, he does. He's a bailiff. He takes them out of the courtroom and, and escorts them into prison. So Harvey Dent descends upon the Gotham City Circus. The Flying Graysons are in the middle of their act. And Harvey Dent takes over and demands Batman's identity. He assumes that somebody in the audience, by chance, is going to know who Batman is. I think that's quite a stretch, but whatever. He figured, here's the richest people are here. You must know. Of course, Harvey Dent gets the bomb from Batman, the 1960s television movie. Yeah, sometimes you just can't get rid of a bomb, right? (laughs) Sometimes you just can't get rid of a bomb. And he drops it down, but this bomb has a digital clock face on it. One thing I liked about this is that the Flying Graysons, they're dressed like Robin, like the Robin suit. Yep. Right. Robinson. And I it, like that. And it, and it makes nice sense. Touch. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that was a good touch. The one thing they, the one thing they really did right. Yeah. yeah. So the Graysons are, at this point, involved in removing the bomb from the circus to protect everybody that's there. Young Dick Grayson pushes the bomb out of the roof, and we're shown Mama, Papa, and Brava Grayson comically fall to their demise. to their death. I laughed out loud. The way that this is shot, they, they're like, ooh, <laughs> slow motion with their arms all splayed out. They, I laughed. They fell in the classic murder scene chalk outline position. Yes, they did. (laughs) 
So when they're at the circus, Bruce Wayne stands up and he's like, I'm Batman. Yeah. He yes. screams it. He screams it and Nicole Kidman is right next to him. Right next to him. I'm Batman, everybody. Me, right here, this guy. It's fine. No one heard it because everyone's screaming and hollering and going crazy. He then proceeds to become Batman. He starts beating up all the henchmen. In normal, in, in in normal suit. clothes. Yeah, he's yeah, in a suit. Yeah, in his tux. He's down eventually in the middle of the circus floor. Just taking on like seven henchmen. No one notices this. It is pretty amazing to see a man in a full suit. He's wearing like a 15-piece suit. <laughs> and he's kicking these men in the face. He's a billionaire. It's so obvious odd. he's Batman right there. <laughs> it's so obvious. Nobody notices. We then get some weird small fat guy at Wayne Manor explaining that Grayson's family is gone. That was Commissioner, Commissioner Gordon. Gordon. Not my Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> you guys thought I made a mistake. That was that was no mistake. He's not my Commissioner Gordon. I choose my words very, very carefully. carefully. Very good. He explains that this 38-year-old Chris O'Donnell is a homeless bum <laughs> and has nowhere to go. So Chris O'Donnell is now a ward of Batman. Yeah, this grown man. This grown man who got ward of the state. This could be you a funny. Help him. This this could be a funny sitcom. Typhus doesn't know what to do with him. We need your help. Robin is then pole dancing, doing somersaults, having fun at the Wayne Manor, and he busts through the uh, right through the silverware and discovers that Wayne Manor is hiding the Batcave. Whatever. This is no Robin's reckoning. Whoa! We can all agree. We can all agree, right? For those who don't know, Robin's Reckoning is the Emmy Award winning <laughs> episode from Batman the Animated Two Series. Part. Two part. Two part. Well worth watching. It's the same plot almost, but a billion, trillion times better? I, I, Quadrillion infinity. times better. <laughs> infinity. 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 can't be quantified. It's no Robin's Reckoning. So the Riddler and Two Face team up. That's a dream team if I've ever seen one. Two Face is in his lair, which is split down the middle. Mm-hmm. He's got Drew Barrymore dressed up as an angel and Debbie Mazar dressed as like a demon. Looking hot. Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Looking, looking good. good. Yeah. Looking good. Looking good here. 95. This is, this is the last time she looked good. Yeah, Drew Barrymore looked gorgeous here. Gorgeous. <sighs> Kevin, you're Kevin. off the rails. <laughs> You've lost your mind. When we talk about numbers and we say like the distances of things, it's okay to go nuts and go and say with the hyperbole. When you're talking about a woman's attractiveness level, rate it in because you're really starting to offend me. <laughs> 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 okay, so Two Faces in his lair hanging out with his love. <laughs> Martin's rubbing down his sweaty body. Did you stop doing that? <laughs> Martin is shirtless and he's rubbing the sweat <laughs> off his filthy body and showing it to me. It is 91 degrees in here. And no, two, don't ring that bell. It is 200%. You miss raining in here. Well, it's been steady. It hasn't risen. Let's get back to Batman forever. Maybe it's the humidity that's killing me. <laughs> it's literally killing me. I have respiratory issues from your apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mars got consumption. He's great, I feel like I'm dying of final stages of tuberculosis. It's got TB in the lungs. I do. I feel like I'm dying like of the Val final stages from Tombstone. Wow. I feel like I have black lung right now. As I was saying, I'll be your Huckleberry. Whoa. I'd ring a bell for that. I'd, I'd ring a bell for that. So Two Faces in his lair with his two lovely ladies, and this is the first time we get to see Jim Carrey in his full Riddler uniform. It's all green. He's got this obnoxious day glow orange hair. His suit is bright green. He's got all these question marks all over it. He goes up to Two-Face. He looks at him and the first thing he says is, did you know that the government is giving away thousands of dollars to people to <laughs> products at home? <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
<laughs> You've had that in the can. Yeah, yeah, you've been saving days that. for days. That was a slow burn right there. <laughs> no one. This whole episode's been just, just been waiting for that. Been saving that one. <laughs> People overseas are not gonna get that at all whatsoever. <laughs> You can take it from here. I'm done. <laughs> so, I'm out of here. The, the, the Riddler shows up. He says, it's a two-face. Look, help me steal a lot of money, and I'll help you figure out who Batman is. He says, help me, hurt me, love me, leave me. No, no, no. Continue. So the plan is they're going to get a lot of money and they're going to build a whole bunch of these brainwave machines and sell them to the public so that they can then access the thoughts of everyone in Gotham and figure out who Batman is. Hey, do you think that they made this hat look like a blender because it purees your brain if you use it too much? Sure. All right. It does. It makes you like a zombie. An imbecile. So these things, they start selling like hotcakes. Everyone in Gotham's got one. I love this. You see everyone plugged in and you can see the green brain waves over the skies of Gotham. This was like Ghostbusters 2 to me. Because it was like, like a theremin was playing in the background. How does everybody miss this? Yeah, how do they not notice the green waves all over Gotham? And they're all going to one place. It's not, it's, and, and yeah, there's a focal point. There's a finite destination for these waves. By the way, there's a joke here in this movie that I just got for the first time when Nigma throws the party for his new upgraded box. He's the young Mark Zuckerberg of this universe. Right? Oh, yeah. I knew he was like, he idolized Wayne. I didn't realize he actually put a fake mole on his face to match Kilmer's, you know, Bruce Wayne's. Is that why he did that? Yeah. Oh, wow. He goes, when he says, how's that. my mole? Yeah. That's because if you look, Kilmer's got a mole there. And I just realized at this time, I've probably seen this movie a hundred times and oh, I never got that joke wow. before. I never got that either. Oh, really? Oh, I, th- I thought I was an idiot. Kevin, you're a genius. So, Val Kilmer falls in love with Nicole Kidman, and he decides that, for reasons completely unknown to me, he's going to tell her everything. He's going to tell her that he's Batman, because I guess he loves her. He's on the I- Come Clean program. He's got to come clean. I saw no indication in this movie whatsoever that he liked her at all. I saw no chemistry between them. Well, he's been reading all her papers. Yeah. I also don't understand why she's choosing Bruce Wayne. Yeah, in the beginning, she's like, I love Batman. And now she's flip-flopping to Bruce Wayne for some w- weird reason. Yeah, I've seen nothing from Bruce Wayne in this movie. Yeah, that would make you want to switch over, Yeah, right? No chemistry, none. No. But right before he professes his love, oops, there's some trick-or-treaters at the door. Open the door, look who it is. Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey, surprise. They know Batman's Bruce Wayne. They figured it out from the Riddler's fantasy box. And then they have their final showdown out in the ocean or something. Can you explain what the hell this thing was? This was a giant, robotic, animatronic, metallic, mechanic island... That was constructed in the middle of the ocean. I don't know who they got to do this. It looked like a giant alien artifact arose from the sea. Yeah, it looked like it belonged in Halo. I don't know how they constructed this. I don't know who could have possibly have constructed this thing. It has this giant blender artifact that is sucking all the brainwaves in at the top. (laughs) And somehow it shoots an energy beam at the bat plane. Then they have millions of depth charges around the island that they control. Yeah, they're playing battleship. 
This, this fully went into 1960s Batman not only TV that, show territory, not right? Not only that, but when Chris O'Donnell gets separated from his boat, there are scuba divers right there. Uh-huh. How did they know that that was going to happen? Yeah, it was like a Johnny Quest episode. It really was. This is just fast forward to the end here. So everybody gets beaten, but the way they get defeated, it's kind of interesting. So Batman blows up the giant machine. Things go haywire. Jim Carrey gets blasted with 10, he gets blasted with 1.21 gigawatts worth of brain waves or something. After he gets hit with all these brain waves, he turns into this disheveled mutant thing, <laughs> yeah. right? Like Quasimodo, like uh-huh. a hunchback. He's like, oh God. What he was physically this? deformed. He was. He looked like Rocky. He really did. Yeah. From that movie with Cher. Mask? Yeah, he did. He looked like Rocky from Mask. That's what his face looked like. We all wear masks. Some or... more than others. <laughs> so after this crap is over, they had the final showdown with Two-Face. So Two-Face has to flip his coin to decide whether or not he's going to kill Batman. So he flips it into the air. And Batman decided to bring all of his Two-Face replica coins. Yeah, he brought his coin collection. Yep. And he threw it up in the air. <laughs> Two-Face is flipping this coin on a six-inch wide I-beam <laughs> over this two-million-foot-high pit of doom. <laughs> 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 this is the kind of thing you'd be afraid to stand on. You would balance. be afraid to breathe if, if, on it. If, and if, if you'd only fall like three feet, you'd be afraid to be on this he thing. Is, <laughs> he is specific to Robin before they even go to this island that he doesn't want him to kill Two-Face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Batman but is like, don't kill Two-Face. Don't, 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 do, don't, don't, don't kill Two-Face. And Connolly goes, I don't know if I can not kill him. And he's like, well, gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> That was, just, that was his quote-unquote answer. And then, if he couldn't take everything away, if everything hasn't been taken from Chris O'Donnell yet, he's going to take his vengeance away from him and kill Two-Face on, on yeah, his own. Batman, the man who cannot take a life. He killed Two-Face, right? He <laughs> threw all those coins in the air. Two-Face started moving and grooving, trying to catch it, and he fell to his doom. Comically, I might add. And Batman and spit Batman on him. Kill, yeah, he spat down he the spat pit. Down the, watched that, it the whole way for about a minute and then giggled a little bit at the end. And with that, that's Batman Forever. That's pretty much how it ends, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's find out what the real critics had to say about this movie. Oddly enough, all the usual suspects that we mentioned on this show all liked this movie. Oh, really? James Bardinelli liked it. Ebert liked it. They all liked it. Shocking, right? Yeah. Boring and near unwatchable. Its title sums it up with cruel accuracy. <laughs> Rob Gonsalves, efilmcritic.com. Mildly diverting, brainless fun that feels like a long trailer for a better film. TV guides, movie guide. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> that's, that's not accurate. Given what comes next. And finally, where is Tim Burton when you need him? Ken Hank, Mountain Express. Okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 43% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? No, it's not. This movie entertained me the whole way through. I was laughing. I was moving. I was grooving. Mm-hmm. I was enjoying it. It was entertaining. That's what this movie was. Uh, these critics, they sound like they're all from present day mm-hmm. reviewing the movie mm-hmm. in 1995. Yep. And they didn't bring up any actual criticisms that I can really, I guess, go against. The acting was bad in this movie for sure. The movie was campy, but it was done on purpose. And all in all, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, but Batman and Robin was campy crap on purpose. Why is this okay, but not that? I laughed during this whole movie and it was enjoyable. I mean, I can't come up with anything more significant than that basic fact. I just had fun watching it. I'm going to give it a solid three out of five. I think that's probably a pretty accurate score. I'm going to go with a two out of five. They just mess up too many things here. The ending that we just talked about where he lets Two-Face die. I mean, we're talking about Bruce Wayne's friend, (laughs) right? (laughs) 
Here we are. This was his friend. Best friend. And he let him drop to his death. I mean, it's, that makes no sense. If Joel turned into Two-Face, would you let him drop to his death? Absolutely. Yeah. Not. Not. I'm sorry. Not. Not. As he greedily eyed my Behringer equipment. <laughs> <laughs> the acting was just poor. Poor almost all around here. Universal. And there was just too many things like the, the glow-in-the-dark gang and just silly, silly things. That's what this whole movie is. It's silly. It cannot be taken seriously whatsoever. And I think there are people who will like that. There is an audience for it, but it's not me. Two out of five. As for me, you know, I actually was writing on a three out of five this whole time. I was enjoying it. I mean, I was watching it and I was like, hey, you know, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It wasn't until after the second half of the movie where it really kind of dragged for a long time. It felt like it was three hours long. And that's when I had to drop a, a star from the rating. I hated the ending. That went on forever and ever. It was stupid. So I actually liked the build up to it before they actually started doing stuff. It was kind of weird for a movie like this. You'd think it'd be the other way around. Mm -hmm. But hey, that, that was just my experience of it. So I'm going to go with a two out of five. So surprise, a surprise in two out of five. I thought this was going to be a nightmare. This movie is definitely leagues and bounds above Batman and Robin. Easily. Okay, now it's time to read some listener mail, but I have been just stricken here. Yes, that bad word headquarters with the hiccups. <laughs> There he goes. <laughs> so I'm passing over the listener mail duty. Which one of you jokers wants to do this? Hands in the air. Who wants this? Someone take it. No, that's not how you put your hand up. There yeah, you yeah, it's that bad. That's not how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin's taking the reins. I'm going to sit this one out. Throw this dice down. Marina wrote in with a movie suggestion. Hi guys, I'm a relatively new listener from Sydney, Australia. I love the show and I've been working my way through your podcasts. I've also been reading some of your blogs and when I got to what you thought about the movie Drive, I pissed myself laughing because I agree. All the actors came across like Stepford Wives and I couldn't understand why people were raving about this movie. At one point towards the end of the film, Ryan Gosling's character is just sitting in a car. My husband turned to me and asked with no sarcasm, is he like supposed to be dead? <laughs> He's been like this the whole movie. Anyways, I have a suggestion for a movie review, and it stars the crazy science teacher, Nicolas Cage. It's Snake Eyes. It's gotten some awful reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, but I love this movie, and I basically want you to review it because I'm looking for some validation for that love. That's a slippery slope we're getting on there if you're looking <laughs> for us to agree. Look forward to the next show, and by the way, I don't think you laugh too much at all. I like it. Nicole writes in, Hey guys, I'm at work listening to the Bounty Hunter episode, and I'm tearing up from all the silent laughter. The Hail Hitler part was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and Martin's utter disgust at himself is just too much. And I don't know if you know this, but the art of shaving is coming to the Freehold Raceway Mall. <laughs> we have one of those at our local mall. <laughs> I've already been there. <laughs> Thank you for keeping me from falling asleep. Ronan writes, Hey guys, just thought I'd write in after hearing what you said about Michael Jai White. Now, while it's true Spawn is a piss-poor performance painfully perpetrated by a pathetic and perverse attempt at pathos and a penchant for pitiful petulance, and his part in The Dark Knight is hardly huge, I highly recommend you check out Michael Jai White's performance in Black Dynamite. I went to see this with a few friends at our small university cinema, and I thought it was a really funny and smart film and a really good parody. Maybe that's just because I have a soft spot in my heart for a good parody but I really think the film shows that Michael Jai White has some solid acting skills. Being able to play the role of Black Dynamite, an ass-kicking former army, former CIA vet who wants to clean up the streets as straight as he does. The only issue is that the film is a wee bit too long. I think it could have been maybe 10 or 15 minutes shorter. Sorry to ramble on so much about this. Also, question for Kevin. That's me. 
I vaguely remember him saying that he enjoyed soccer. Hopefully I have not just made this up. You haven't made this up in proper terms, football. And I was wondering if he watched or had any thoughts on the Euro 2012 tournament that took place in Ukraine, Poland a few weeks ago. I did watch some of those games. I thought Spain was incredibly lucky. Do you guys, even though you guys know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. I did not watch any of those games. Yeah, they got, they got incredibly, incredibly lucky, especially against Portugal, those penalty kicks. I still don't know why Ronaldo didn't kick. Can someone tell me why Ronaldo didn't kick? I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I don't, I don't even know what a Ronaldo is. Yeah, moving on. Shameful. <laughs> Don writes in, I've been listening to your show since episode number 14, 2012. And I must say, I'm a big fan. I remember there were many listener questions about the quote-unquote female guest from a past episode and her potential return. I am here now to tell everyone out there this secret that I figured out a la Da Vinci Code style. There are no guests or other hosts on this show. There is just Joel. Every other voice is just a manifestation of the voices in his head. Think fat bald dude in identity. I just wanted everyone to know that when you write in to criticize or compliment Kevin and Martin and so on, you are just feeding the split personality of Joel. Thank you for reading this and good luck with this psychosis. Kevin, how do you feel being part of Joel's personality? <laughs> part of what just one of his many personas? Look, we're all living in Joel's world, right? Yeah, it's kind of like Bobby's world. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie Jets writes, Hey guys, just wanted to suggest Return of the Living Dead Part 2 for the show. It currently holds a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes and is a whole lot of fun. Hell, you could even do a whole trilogy of episodes based on the trilogy of Return movies. Kevin stole the show on the Bounty Hunter episode, so big ups to him. Oh, thanks for the compliments. Also, Martin, as a fellow Jets fan, I have to give a shout out to you as well. God Joel, bless you. Joel, as the godfather of the podcast, you get one too. I'm going to take it from you though. But it feels kind of forced. <laughs> like when you tell some hooker bot you have to get up early for work. Great job, guys. Wesley writes, I've got to know the story behind Joel's funny voice while reading the second listener mail at the end of the Spawn podcast. Thank you, guys. <laughs> what happened there? Man, that was so funny. I replayed it half a dozen times before moving on. You know what he's talking about? Yes, yeah, I, do. I do. I do. I know exactly what he's talking oh, about. You were there. <laughs> Remember, I was like, Joel, he said it just like that? <laughs> Joel's like, yes, he did. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't remember what the hell was going on there. Maybe, I think it's because I was holding the paper in a weird way and I couldn't read it. I don't know. That's one of the rare instances where I left a blooper in the episode. Like, usually I would cut that crap, but I left it in there because I thought it was funny. <laughs> so I guess it was the right thing to do because he thought it was funny too. Good job. Jordan writes, does Yats that Bad Satellite World Headquarters need any more security staff in their armed security division? I was wondering if you were still accepting applications. I heard on Yahoo News that you guys were creating 1,000 new jobs. <laughs> that was actually a misprint. We're creating 1 million new jobs <laughs> here at yeah, a Bad World Headquarters. Finally, Sean writes in, As I re-listened to the Spawn episode again this morning, it occurred to me that Kevin's story about losing his marriage certificate may all be part of an elaborate cover-up relating to the mysterious girl reviewer on an early episode of this show. I believe this mysterious girl is a clone of Kevin with who gender bent into a woman <laughs> posing as his wife. Kevin's entire quote-unquote marriage to a quote-unquote woman was merely a cover-up. Kevin quote-unquote married his female clone and made up a story about his lost marriage certificate to forever conceal the existence of his female clone to the world. So it's very possible that Kevin has pulled a double cross on all of us. Even you, Joel. <laughs> Love the show, guys. Watch Kevin very carefully. How would your wife react to that <laughs> incredibly confused 
and insulted. Okay, thanks for the emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yazthatbad at gmail.com. Now it's time for the question of the week, and this is a question that I came up with a long, long time ago. Forgot all about it, but this I think this is a really good question. So, when considering to see a movie, given these three options, in what order would you place the importance of these three things in your decision to see a movie? A, the director. B, the actors. Or C, the plot. C, A, B. A, B, C. I'm very loyal to directors. After that, I care about the actors that are going to be portraying the story and how well they, how well they do it. And then after that, plot is tertiary. I'm, I go plot first, yeah. then director. I could care less who's in it, you know. Fine, actors. Yeah, that's, that's, that's me. So, once again, rank in the order of importance. A, director. B, actor. Or three, plots. Head on over to yesabed.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Now it's time to announce the winner of the Listener's Choice poll. And the theme was Rich Kids in the 90s. And the choices were Blank Check versus Richie Rich. And I must admit, when you two guys first came up with this idea, I was not too keen on it. <laughs> I was like, this is kind of stupid. Because I've never seen these two movies before. But apparently, everybody else in the world has because this poll has been neck and neck for quite some time. And the winner is... Richie Rich. Tune in next week when we will be watching Richie Rich. Oh, one more thing before we go. All three of us were interviewed recently for the blog Tech Blitz. Check out the interview where we talk about beefcakes, our favorite running gag on the show, who we think we look like, and so on and so forth. I'll put a link to the interview in this episode's show notes. And you can see that at yesthatbad.com. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help with the show. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook. You can you can head on over to yesthatbad.com and click the like button. You can also follow us on Twitter at yeah, it's bad. You can follow Martin at yeah, it's Martin. You can follow Kevin at yeah, it's Kev. And you can listen to the show on all your mobile devices via Stitcher. And you can get that at stitcher.com slash yeah, it's bad. Put in the promo code yeah, it's bad and you really will be helping out the show. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. By the way, Kevin, I think Nicole Kidman is very attractive, more so than Jennifer Aniston. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad <laughs> Take we that can, to the bank. I'm glad we could get that out there. Yeah. Did you just grunt at him? It's <laughs> 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 like a guttural growl at like Kevin. <laughs> Are you challenging me? Yeah, we're gonna start butting heads. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Slap fight. Do you feel intimidated since Kevin's shirt is off? <laughs> yeah, I can smell his pheromones. They're driving me wild. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it's in really any, weird. In any case, to get... This well, is a member's meeting. No, I already... We need unanimous to... Yeah, we need, hands in. <laughs> I, touch fingertips. Yeah, we had to touch fingertips. <laughs> we need touch fingertips. It's not decided. <laughs> I'll put that in the minutes. All members touch fingertips. <laughs> so it is written, so it shall be done. <laughs>